Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within, and I hope you guys are having a great week so far. Out here we've had some snow, it's been kind of cold, but some warm, warm weather is actually coming around the corner. So as we've been doing the past few weeks was about the, the sower, the parable of the sower, um, throwing the seed on the certain grounds, and this week I've been trying to figure out, you know, hey God, what do you want me to talk about today? And... Well, we kind of came down to something that's been kind of bugging me. So this is going to be kind of more a real talk conversation. And I've been seeing a lot. It's been really cool, but I've been seeing a lot of leaders like John Cooper, Alyssa Childers, and then recently a guy named uh, Lucas, I think Miles, Lucas Miles. And he is a pastor who is also speaking up against progressive thinking. And he's been noticing it himself how easily many people are being deceived by this progressive movement that's been going on for quite a while, in my opinion. Um, many people think it's recent, but it has it's not been recent. It's been around for, I don't know, probably since the beginning with just the ideology, not necessarily called progressive. But, you know, the idea is that progressiveness has been a motive for people to move forward. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be negative, but the problem is in today's church, that progressiveness is not about becoming a better church. So if you are interested, Lucas Miles wrote a book called The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. It sounds like it's pretty interesting. I'm actually thinking about getting it. Um, my wife and I have been reading John Cooper's book and Alyssa, Alyssa Childer's book. And if you haven't listened to those yet, you should. Alyssa's is called um, the Another Gospel with a Question Mark. And Cooper's is uh, Awaken Alive in the Truth. Um, I don't think you can get John Cooper's book on Amazon right now. It's only through the website. And... Uh, Alyssa Childers you can get through Amazon and if you're interested they both do podcasts as well anyway so the idea is that there is been this kind of talk that I've kind of been hearing lately in churches which is all we need to do is love and I know some of you are probably thinking about that song all you need is love but that's not what that means the idea behind the understanding of what it means to love kind of goes back to the 1960s and into the 70s when people were fighting against the idea of the Vietnam War. They were talking about that all we need to do is love and peace, love and peace, love and peace. And then, of course, there was high drug usage. There was people not caring about moral law and having, you know, sex. Um, they were fighting against the man. You know, it was all this the theology ideology that was just getting mixed all in together but the problem is i'm starting to see that that trend has not necessarily walked away from the surface it's actually been hiding underneath the surface and sadly some people that are from those generations um do speak about it they just don't say how they were back then when they were speaking about it but in today's culture they're using that phrasing as if it should be the definition of who we are as a Christian. Well, we shouldn't be telling people about their sins. We just need to love them. No, we should. We don't need to be running around pointing fingers or telling people that you know they shouldn't act that way because we're just supposed to love them. 
you know, what, why do we criticize each other as Christians and, and start questioning whether the theology is right and wrong? Why do we, why can't we be progressive? Like this is kind of the, the thought process that keeps going around. And the answer is always, we just need to love each other. So we're not allowed to disagree with each other. We're not allowed to talk about issues. We're not allowed to point out theological movements that are not biblical because we're just supposed to love each other. And that's the wrong way of thinking and understanding what God means about loving. Even he himself is a loving God. We, we know this. We know how much he loved us. He sent his son to die for us. John 3.16 explains that. Why is it that this idea of love has actually become to me more of an idol in our Christian theology? See, the answer cannot be love. God, yes, loved us that he sent his son, but God is also a just God. He is a holy God. He is a moral God. So that means if he is holy and he has a moral divine law that we're supposed to follow, he has to hate something, right? So the verse that came to my mind is actually in John, John 14, 23. It states, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay. The whole essence of the imagery is Jesus promise, promises the Holy Spirit. Because by this time, you know, he's, he's emphasized his purpose. And he says in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he, and will be in you. See, the idea is that the world does not understand the idea of what it means to love and we've seen that we see it in our tv shows we see it in the movies we see it in the way people speak about the word love most of the time it leads to romantic interests which is why there is a problem with the homosexual movement and how they talk about the word what's wrong with loving someone well define what love means because i can love my brother i can love those that are close to me that are men and love them doesn't mean it's romantic. It doesn't mean it's an intimate love because if we were to take down and break down the understanding of the scriptures, there's different meanings for the word love. We, as you know, English, we only have the one word of love with def- different definitions. But when the old and new Testament scriptures were written, you know, Jewish and Hebrew and Latin, all that, the way that it was written out in words, the word love has different meanings in those phrases. They did not use the word L-O-V-E every time they put the word love. They actually used the actual word that defines a different love. Now, simplistically, there is a romantic love. 
there is a brotherly love. There is a someone who's close to you type of love. There's an acquaintance type of love. And so the interesting thing is that we have taken that understanding of love to define all types of love. So what does it, what do, what do you mean when you use the phrase, all we need to do is love someone? We just need to love people. Well, how do you love people? Because saying it is not the same as doing something about it. Now, we all know the golden rule. We've used it growing up all the time. You know, you just love your neighbor as yourself. We were taught that even in, in churches and Sunday school classes, but even the even the world knows the golden rule. If you were to go up to someone who wasn't a Christian and ask them what the golden rule was, they'd tell you. But the problem is Satan knows this. The enemy knows this. They understand how to twist this truth enough where it loses its de- defining understanding of what it means to love your neighbor. See, if we go back to Matthew 22 and we go and talk about where a lot of times we actually mention love your neighbor as yourself, right? There is a first part to it. And if you understand the contents of what is being spoken about, you understand that these are two commandments that Christ gave us to follow, right? You know what I'm talking about. Because if you go to verse 34, it's Matthew 22, 34. It states, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, he was talking about the law of Moses. So Jesus answered him. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, what he did, if you know your Ten Commandments, you know that the first three, I believe the first three laws were depicted or towards God. You would have no other God before me. You will not use God's name in vain. And basically, don't worship any other idols. Now, what's interesting with the word idol, we we don't realize how significant that word is. You see, there is things that God hates. He hates sin. Okay? He hates sin. And the idea behind that hate is that there is a judge who judges those who commit it. Correct? You look in the Old Testament. They had to do sacrifices on behalf of their sin so they'd be forgiven. All of that was to show us the understanding of what Christ's purpose was as defined in the prophecy of a one who will come, who will basically create the new kingdom of a new empire under the law of Christ and what he will do by taking what we've already learned in all the Old Testament, you can see that there, everything was pointing to an ultimate savior, that the ultimate lamb. Okay. So going back to Matthew, 
it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It goes first. This is the first commandment. The great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the issue I'm seeing is that there's this ideology that has come into our churches where the answer is we just need to love each other. How can you love each other if you don't even know who God is? If you don't love God first, you can't love your neighbor correctly. You can love how do you define that love once again it goes back to this moral law that you have to follow you only love someone as long as you agree with them you only love someone as long as they didn't hurt you you love somebody as long as they don't hurt someone else you love a murderer you love someone who uh, gave drugs to your kids and your kid died you see if we define the way we want to define love, love is defined by how we feel, our emotions, which is very dangerous, which is not how we're supposed to love, which is what we see a lot. If you go into a lot of churches, people will show this type of love as long as everything is hunky-dory and all is all good. But when someone you know, offends them, suddenly that love gets thrown out the window and they start treating them differently. That's not love. You see... If you love God first, you understand, you know him, and the other verses make sense. When you look at John 14, 23 again, okay, it, starting in even verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And then he even says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You see, you got to understand that loving God first is the understanding of how to love others. You can't love others unless you know who God is, unless you love God, unless you follow his commandments, unless you obey him. You see, that's the main issue. Obedience is what's missing in understanding how to love someone. There's so many people today who are not loving God first, but loving themselves first, but then they play the game of, well, I love others too. So we can't have good discussions because if you disagree with me, then you're not loving me, which is a lie. If you disagree with me, you're judging me, which is another lie. We are allowed to speak in truth. And if you don't like hearing the truth and it bothers you, then study up, learn. Then learn your Bible so that you understand why someone is confronting you or asking you or telling you that what you're saying is not biblical. Even I have to make sure that I am kept accountable. That's why I've been talking about several times to find someone in your life who you can talk to in prayer, uh, spend time do a Bible study together so that you have some form of accountability with somebody who can keep you accountable, but also you can keep them accountable. Find a men's group to be a part of. 
Go to a church that's teaching truth so that there is some type of accountability for you and understanding what is being said. You can't just go running around believing what you believe if you don't understand it. It's so easy to repeat what someone else says as your form of foundation. Because I, you know how I know that? Because that's how I lived for quite a while. I was saved. But when someone questioned me or asked me questions, I would only repeat what I've heard. Well, so-and-so said this, or pastor so-and-so had told me this. I didn't own my faith. That's how I call it. I didn't own it. I understood it. I had the knowledge. It was in me, but I didn't own it. So my relationship with God was based on knowledge, not on an actual relationship with God. And it didn't click to me until I went to college one year at Maranatha that it made sense when someone made a comment is this question, if Jesus was not in heaven, would you still want to go to heaven? Now, and our, our mindset is, well, heaven is, you no, know, it's amazing. But what he was trying to get us to understand is, was our focus on the fire insurance or the focus was on getting to heaven or was it to be with Jesus? You see, I had the knowledge but I didn't, wasn't chasing after Jesus. I wasn't going after him, which makes more sense of why David was called a man after God's own heart because he was chasing after it. You see, one last thing I want you to understand is God is holy. Holy is defined as dedicated, consecrated, morally and spiritually excellence. That means perfection. That means no sin can be before our God. No one, none of us can look at God and survive. So how do we get to be with him? Be right back after this commercial. Welcome back. And we've been talking about holiness, okay? How is it that we can stand before him? The answer is simply Jesus. What Jesus did for us by him going on the cross, dying on our behalf, and us accepting him as our Savior and our Lord, which means that we're saying we're going to follow you. We're going to obey you. We're going to do what the scriptures tell us to do. And that means do not compromise. That means... Do not take lightly what God is saying in scripture. So this goes back to understanding what does it mean when you people keep saying, all we need to do is love. There is a defining wrongness in that phrasing based on that alone because people follow emotion. They follow their emotions in understanding how to love others and how to treat others. And the truth is what is creating is this ideology that weakens the, the understanding of what sin is and the importance of telling someone, hey, that is sin. Stop doing it. We get people who accept homosexuality as a norm, as an okayness of living because they love each other. Doesn't God teach us to love each other? That's not what that means. God tells us that sin is wrong, that sin separates us. That sin corrupts us, that sin is of the world, that sin is of Satan, that we are enslaved to sin. And we've talked about this in several other times in other 
episodes and verses that we've used, you got to understand sin enslaves us to sin. We are stuck and bound to it until we know who Jesus really is. That's why I think there's a lot of people who really don't know who Jesus is and never accepted him as Savior truly because they think they have, because they are following a standard, a system, well, I haven't killed anybody, so therefore I must be a good person, which is not defining the understanding of what sin is. What is sin? Why would God hate it? Why? What is sin? Simply stated, it is a moral act against a divine law. So in other words, God says, this is wrong. Don't do it. The problem is we are enslaved to sin because we're born in that nature. So how do we get ourselves to be free from the chains of sin? That's where Jesus comes in. Jesus died on the cross on, on, on our behalf. He, he, he died, went to basically hell took all of our sins, all of our punishment, was in there for three days, and then rose again from the dead to defeat it. So now, though our sin has consequence in our sin nature that we will die this in this earthly world, we will not die for eternity. Because Christ's blood covers over our sin that, that God, when he looks at us, will not see our sin, but will see his son's blood that washed that sin away. He even talks about how God will forget our sin as far as the east is from the west. That is such a beautiful verse of understanding. That means, because if you understand your geology, I guess you could say, when you go east, you can keep going east around the world over and over again for eternity. You go west over and over again for eternity. There's no end. So in other words, God does not sit there and bring back our sin as a repeat and say, hey, look what you did. Don't you remember what you did there? Yep, I'm going to count that. I'm going to put that out there for you. No, he's forgiven us. It's forgotten. So who reminds us of our sin is basically the enemy wanting us to remember how horrible we are so that we just give up and stop trying to serve a God who loves us. The idea and understanding that sin is a moral act against a divine law is why we can't simply just say, just, you got to love your neighbor. You just got to love your neighbor. No, that's not how it works. If you don't love God, then you don't love him. You don't love his commandments. You don't love the law that he has for us. You don't love the truth that's in the scripture. You can't say you believe in the scripture hundred percent. You can't because if you're running around saying it's okay for homosexual to live the life that they live in, is basically defining or going against what God has stated is wrong, that he has already said it's against the nature of what he designed man and woman to be. You can't run around and say, oh, well, they don't lie that much. It's not a big deal. No, you can't say that. They are a liar. And if they're continuing to lie, lie, and lie, they are not walking and obeying the law. They're not doing as God has asked them to do. You have someone that's running around saying, Hey, it's okay to abort babies because it's the, her body. God said murdering any human being is murder, period. Every child is a creation by him, no matter how it was made. 
God can bless that person who's going to give birth to that child, even though she was raped. And I can say this in confidence because my mom is a product of rape. My aunt is a product of rape. And they are alive because their mom decided that their life was way more important than what happened to her. So you can't turn around and tell me, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I wouldn't be here. My mom wouldn't be here if my grandmother chose to abort. You see, sin is in our world. Okay? It controls and enslaves people. You're brought up with parents that beat you. I'm sorry. That's sin. That's what sin does. It breaks people. It makes them basically worship sin themselves, their power, their control. It exists. That's why it's important. That's why it's important for a church to reach out to broken people who have struggled all their life because of how their parents treated them. They should know that there's a God that loves them more than they could ever imagine, but they have to know who he is to understand what it means to be loved. If you are a product of abuse from having drugs and alcohol, God loves you. There is hope. You're not defined by that. The labeling is only given because the world gives a label because that's what Satan wants you to be, a label of this world. There is hope. Get to know your God. Know who he is so that you understand why what you have done was wrong, but that there is a way of repentance, a redeeming light that you can go to, which is Christ, who can change you, who can mold you, make you into a new creation, a new creature in Christ that will be used for his glory. And if you are struggling with homosexuality, Christ loves you. He, it's not, you were not born into that. There is mental issues that do come and get involved in it because of your environment and things going around you, but you are not born into that. God loves you. He designed you as who you are, a man or woman. And it doesn't matter if you have these feelings. That is the sin nature that's in you. That's fighting the flesh that even Paul talks about the flesh of our body still fights. Even having the Holy spirit, it still fights to keep us connected to our sin nature. Though we are renewed and we're changed and we have the Holy spirit now that keeps us accountable, that tells us this is wrong. And if we continue to do it in any way is sinning. And that is why we can never be a hundred percent perfect in Christ's eyes in God's eyes. That's why Christ had to be the ultimate lamb. There is still hope. You murdered someone. There's still hope for you. Surrender yourself to Christ. Give it all to Christ and use the time that you do have, even if you're in prison for life or even if you're going to be executed because I don't, I don't know if you're in that point, Christ can forgive you. He forgave the thief who most likely may have actually hurt someone too in the process of stealing. He forgave him on the cross in moments before they died. Now, why would Christ care about even him? He was up there. He did all this evil. Why did he, why did he forgive him? 
because that was the whole purpose of what Christ did to forgive us of our sins, to have us understand what we have done and given us a hope. You know, if we go into Proverbs, it's very interesting. Proverbs uh, 6, 16 and 19, it states there are six things that God, that the Lord hates. Okay, the word is hate, not dislikes or kind of has an opinion on hates. Seven that are abomination to him, haughty eyes, lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that makes haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Understand this. He hates it. So therefore, any type of sin, any type of sin, he hates. That's why he sent his son to die that we have someone that we can go to who can forgive us of that be redeemed changed transformed turned from so that we can understand who he is and how much he loves us and then we'll be able to love others because we don't want them to suffer the same fate of going to hell because of their sins it teaches us in scripture to not that they to keep people from falling into hell that doesn't mean judging. We're not supposed to run around and judge people, but it does tell us to run around telling people that, hey, that's wrong. You guys who are sleeping with your girlfriends who are not married, that is sin. You guys who are sleeping around with different women thinking that's dating, that's sin. Your body should be just for your wife, your future wife. Because those women, if they're not, if you're not going to marry them, those women, their bodies are for another man, and it's committing adultery, even though they're not married yet. And we got to understand that. That's how that's how deadly sin is. That's how incredibly important it is for you to understand to not take your sins lightly. Ask for forgiveness. Change. If you are a Christian and you're walking in the world and doing all this stuff, Ask forgiveness, change. Ask the Holy Spirit to change you, to get you back on track. If you don't know Christ, take this moment right now, get on your knees and ask God to forgive you for all your sins, accepting Christ for what he has done and repenting and asking the Holy Spirit to come into you, to change you into the man that God wants you to be. Go to Proverbs 8. And it states on verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and in the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Be by me. Kings reign rulers decree. What is just by me? Princes rule and nobles who, who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. So if you want God, if you want God, you want to know him, you want to seek him out, he will reveal himself to you. He will show himself to you. You have to truly want it. Not be fooled to think that this world has some things that you need. It doesn't. There's stuff I like to do. There's stuff I want to do. There's stuff I like to get more involved in, like airsoft for one. Um, archery, fishing. But those don't matter if I don't know who God is. 
there's no meaning behind it if I don't know who God is. I can't love others if I don't know who God is. That means you have to hate the sin that he hates. And if you're doing any of those types of sins, you need to repent. God can't use someone who's living in his sin or her sin. Because I know there's some ladies that listen to this. Can't use you. Maybe blessed here and there. But he can't truly use you because you can't hear him. You can't see what he's trying to do in you because you're not willing to change. Love will be seen in how we are if we love God first. We will love others because we love God first. We will love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ because we love God first. It doesn't mean we can't argue. It doesn't mean we can't have discussions. It doesn't mean we don't confront each other. It doesn't mean we don't point out sin. It doesn't mean that pastors don't preach it. They should be preaching about sin. That's why it's so important to understand that you love God first. Let's pray. Really, Father, I thank you for this time. I ask that you bless it. I ask that people's hearts will be changed and transformed. I pray if there's men or even women that may be listening to this podcast, that their hearts will today be changed, that they will either accept Christ as their Savior for real, sincerity, accepting him as their Savior, asking to cleanse themselves of their sins so that they can repent and ask the Holy Spirit to change them into the man or woman they're supposed to be. And then if there's men or women here today, Lord, that are Christians, but have not been walking in the way of the Lord, have not been loving your commandments, have been living in the world, desiring the world, and being the world. Wake them up. Allow them to understand what it means to love you first. Love your commandments, to love the scriptures, to love the truth. They're in sin, Lord, that they repent today in this moment, that they repent of that sin and be transformed to love you first. I pray, Lord, that today will be a day that we start seeing men and women change, start growing into men and women who are godly, who seek out holiness, who want to walk uprightly, to follow you, so they can love others correctly because they have the Holy Spirit. Because they love you first. They're not following some philosophy, idea, or ideology. They're following your truth. They're sharing the gospel. And they're telling others so that they they don't go to hell, Lord. Move them today. Thank you for what you've done. I ask that you bless this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, I hope you have a blessed day. Hope that you... You find growth out of this, that you continue to seek out God first, and you can love others. Take care of yourselves, and God bless.